0: Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, dear listeners. Here we are, back at it again, discovering some more biblical truth concerning Christian marriage. I've borrowed the title from a book written some years ago by Dr. James H. Altheus with the title, I Pledge You My Troth. Altheus was a senior member of the Institute for Christian Studies in Toronto from 1968 to 2004, and he continues to hold an emeritus position there today. Altheus' book has many excellent things to say about the biblical, covenantal understanding of courtship, marriage, and friendship. Among other things, he describes marriage as a partnership of troth, he looks to the Old Testament, especially to the prophecies of Hosea, chapter 2, where the Lord promises that despite the sins of his people, and I quote from Hosea two nineteen and 20, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. And now, troth is really an old English term for truth, for faithfulness, loyalty, and honesty. Troth captures the nuances of trust and reliability, of authenticity as well as integrity and fidelity. In a marriage, a man and a woman face each other, and before God, witnesses, family and friends, they say in effect, I pledge you my troth. They commit themselves to faithfulness. In a Christian marriage, that faithfulness is founded on God's own faithfulness, his troth in maintaining a couple in that lifelong marriage bond. Commitment, says a certain Ari Hawkins in his book, Strengthening Marital Intimacy, is a surrender of personal pleasure and comfort. It demands that each desires to pursue the best for each other and guard all actions in the light of that commitment. There are not a few gremlins afoot that try to tear the fabric of commitment in marriage apart. Selfishness and egoism are two of those gremlins. Selfish persons never seem to have enough and constantly demand more. It's an addiction which is fueled by never-ending advertising that insists people should have and should buy more of a whole host of things. Often we're told you have a right to that more. You're worth it, says one. It's only X numbers of dollars entices the other. It plays on our human nature which would like you to be king of the castle at the expense of the other. To be a true servant and to enjoy doing things for others in genuine love and devotion does not come naturally. Remarkable, isn't it, that Jesus Christ, who ruled the universe with the Father, humbled himself and took the form of a servant, even a slave, in becoming man. Now, the Bible says, and I'm thinking of what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that we that is, sincere Christians, have the mind of Christ. And surely this means that rather than letting one's sinful nature, that which older Bible translations called man's flesh, have the upper hand, true Christians are led by the Holy Spirit. For that Spirit wants to live inside of those who belong to Jesus Christ. Following the master, that means the couple in marriage will serve each other in humility, considering the other person better than oneself. While selfishness is as ugly as an oyster, sorry about that, scallop lovers, humility is as beautiful as the wedding ring on your hand. A great big roadblock that stands in the way of carrying out one's commitment in marriage is an unwillingness and a failure to forgive. Yet, that's exactly what God requires and not just the Apostle Paul when he says in Ephesians 4, verse 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Holding grudges destroys intimacy. A mindset that always comes back to one's marriage partner with, you always do that, and proceeds with a recitation of the wife's or husband's past wrongs is a fearful detriment to happiness and commitment in marriage. It can ruin a marriage. You really can't say you've forgiven the other if you allow what the other person has done to determine your response to him or her. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Furthermore, only consider the volume of our sins that the Lord Jesus Christ is willing to cover with his blood on Calvary's cross. And this surely should make us more than willing to forgive the wrongs of one's wife or husband quickly and sincerely. One could go on to make a comprehensive list of all the clouds that can arise even on a marriage that was joined in the sunshine of genuine love. There's a terrible pit called unfaithfulness or adultery that can break up a marriage, especially when it is repeated and unresolved. True, it is that when Christians fall into the trap of unfaithfulness, even that can be resolved, forgiven, so that reconciliation results. And that's due to the amazing grace of God. Yet, it will require that both parties, especially if both are guilty, to recommit themselves day by day, committing themselves day by day, if not hour by hour, to God's norms of faithfulness and that basis of trust which is spelled L. OVE. Often things go wrong and lead to dissatisfaction with one's spouse when no quality time is taken to communicate and spend time with each other. Quality time, especially with prayer and scripture reading, are essential elements in which to focus on the Lord and His good counsel. We live in an egalitarian age which would erase any and all distinctions between men and women. Does the Bible speak about roles of husband and wife as the Lord has designed it? Ah, but these need to be changed, reversed even. Even such an astute scholar as Dr. Altheus in his book of his that we mentioned doesn't want to think at all of authority and leadership when the Bible says the husband is the head of his wife. Another area of discontent that can threaten to break things apart in marriage is different and conflicting views on I'm sorry. Another area of discontent that can threaten to break things apart in marriage is different and conflicting views on money management. In fact, there are marriage counselors like Wayne A. Mack who are of the opinion that The subject of finances can be one of the most divisive forces in marriage. The husband has his ideas about money and the wife has hers. And while this is no problem at all, if there is love and understanding and good communication about such an important issue, what's often the case? Selfishness, pride, discontentment take over and a whole lot of grief is the result. And this, while the Bible continually confronts you and me with the fact that nothing we have is absolutely ours. All riches and honor come from God. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7? What do you have that you did not receive? What all individuals and couples should covet is God's blessing. For, as Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he doesn't add sorrow to it. If you desire his blessing and his peace, that it may rest on your relationships, then you need to cherish that blessing and stop being greedy, insisting on your so-called rights. To be sure, then if the husband clings to an authoritarian attitude in doing things, my way or the highway, one's marriage is headed for failure. And if the wife does not cherish his leadership and fails to submit to her husband in everything, that is, everything that is good and right and serves the awesome God, then disaster threatens as well. Now, it is one thing to pledge each other one's troth, To be faithful to the promises we made, however, is another thing. Yet, this faithfulness is what the Lord wants to see and to bless in my marriage and in yours. For this, Christ Jesus laid down his life, that rescued from arrogance, violence, sin, and evil, we might embrace his faithfulness and love. For his is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. Amen, and thank you so much for listening.